Hello and welcome to ASMR Tirada de Huello. Are you hoping to calm your mind, relax your body, or experience ASMR? Dr. Andrew Michaels is here to help you. We appreciate the support of all of our followers. If you would like to support this podcast directly, please look for our PayPal link in the episode description. Hello. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you can just set it on my desk. Thank you very much. Another large box. Oh, it's sealed. Documents to file. My favorite. What's this? My little bus tiny one cent in so long ago. I wonder where they found them. No, I'll get a kick out of them after I get them filed. Hello everyone and welcome to Paranormal ASMR. I am your host, Big Mike. I don't really like that. I like the idea of Mad Mike better. How about you out there Help me decide, should it be Big Mike or Mad Mike? DJ Big Mike or DJ Mad Mike? Let me know in the comments below. I'd really appreciate it, okay? And in my last broadcast, I had overflowing support for this program. Um, People left a lot of mail. I appreciate each and every one of you taking the time to write to me and share your thoughts on the project. Some of you even offered suggestions. Uh, One of my viewers, I think they want to remain nameless, suggested the enigmatic cryptid, the Mothman. Now, the Mothman took place in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, about three hours from where I live. I grew up very close to Point Pleasant, West Virginia, and I have been down through there uh, several times to uh, travel towards, you know, Florida, 
I go on a vacation down there quite often. And I've seen the Mothman statue. That's right. There are statues of the Sasquatch Bigfoot. And in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, there is a full-size silver statue with red glowing eyes of the Mothman, as people interpret him. And he's right in the middle of town. And they have a little festival there every year. And they also have uh, a museum for the character. Now, the Mothman became popular enough that they even made a movie, the 2002 film, The Mothman Prophecies, which starred Richard uh, Gere in it. And um, I really liked the uh, Mothman Prophecies. I really am not a Richard Gere fan, and um, I didn't think I'd like the movie, but it turned out it was amazing. It was very... Um, intuitive. It was based off of the book written by um, Richard Keel, I think his name is. Um, and no, John Keel wrote a book in 1975 called The Mothman Prophecies. And basically it dealt with the fact that, you know, the Mothman is, a, is, is an enigma. You know, um, the more power we give him, almost like a demonic force, the more power we give over to the Mothman, the stronger and stronger and stronger he becomes, unto the point where he becomes um, corporeal. We can see him. He becomes a material object, and he becomes deadly at that point. And they don't blame him for the bridge collapsing, which was what ended the uh, sightings in West Virginia back in the six, late 60s. Um, but they do think that he was a har harbinger of doom, that he was a harbinger of doom, that he was probably um, trying to warn us. He was trying to give us a sign that great evil was about to happen. So... Did he cause the bridge to collapse? No. They know why the bridge failed. It failed. It was a very simple uh, bolt failure that caused a chain reaction in the bridge that caused it to the whole bridge to fail. So, um, while we're talking about the Mothman today, I was going to um, clean some of my props on my desk because they're in, you know, disrepair from being used too often. So we're going to do a little brushing and kind of clean up the place a little bit. Now, the first time I ever heard of the Mothman was back in the very late 70s. Maybe around 1979, 1978. We were sitting around, we were watching TV and there was a show for uh, commercial for in search of or some kind of you know paranormal show that was you know frightening and you know back then they used to show these commercials in the evening now they show them anytime during the day on cable TV for our kids enjoyment you're watching Spongebob and next thing you know you see a slasher film advertisement um, they say it doesn't happen but I see it all the time and 
So there was this show, this paranormal show, and, and it was kind of freaky. I think it might have been about, you know, finding Bigfoot or the abominable snowman or something like that, a more popular cryptid. And my brother turned to me and said, well, you know about the dragonfly man, the dragonfly. And I said, well, I don't know anything about that. And he said, yeah, he landed on top of a car and, uh, you know, he, he could fly. He had real long, you know, metal claws. And he grabbed the roof of the car and he actually peeled back the roof of the car that the people were sitting in. So, you know, he nearly killed them, you know, they almost wrecked. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. You know, this, this dragonfly, man, I'm going to, I got to read about this. You know, I was into all these paranormal subjects like the Loch Ness Monster and, and things like that. And so I was like, you know, I've got to find out more about this. Well, I back then you had to go to the library. You <laughs> didn't get on the internet. So I went to the library and I, I looked up the all the different versions I could come up with you know the, the dragonfly man uh, the fly nothing was coming up and so out of desperation I think I put in butterfly or moth and I actually came up with a hit and I found a book on or a part of a book that was written about the mothman in Point Pleasant West Virginia and I totally freaked out. My brother wasn't lying to me. And it even says it on Wikipedia. Uh, there are anecdotal tales of Mothman supposedly attacking the roofs of parked cars inhabited by teenagers. You know, so the story went from Point Pleasant, West Virginia, to um, Youngstown, Ohio. It changed a little bit. Basically, the Mothman was no longer... You know, he was he was the the dragonfly, and he had big long metal claws, and he would actually tear the roofs off the cars, not just land on them and frighten teenagers. He was going to kill you. He was going to rip your car apart. Superhuman strength. Now, if you know anything about birds, um, amazing facts about birds that most people I don't think they actually know this. You look at a bird like a hawk or an eagle, and they're they're big. They're very tall um, from standing up. And their wingspans are huge, just huge wingspans. And you'll see this, you know, eagle, and he'll be sitting or an owl sitting on its handler's arm. And the person could be a very slight young lady, and you know she's got her arm up. And this bird looks like it's two feet tall, and it's it's just, you know, on her arm. And you'd think, oh my gosh, how does she hold that up? It must weigh a ton. Well, birds are so light. They're very strong, but they're very light. They have hollow bones so that they can achieve flight. And um, they don't weigh a lot. For their size, they're very, very light. Not a lot of mass in a bird. A lot of muscle, a lot of strength, but not a lot of mass you know so where I was going with this is you have this guy called the Mothman he's supposedly a human sized uh, bird like creature uh, with wings and a full uh, humanoid skeleton uh, he might be very very strong 
you might be able to do a lot of damage. You might be very, very quick. But for him to grab a four or five ton car and actually rip, render the roof uh, off, you know, just you know, shred the metal, would be highly unlikely under the most extreme circumstances. Um, he might be able to scratch it, uh, damage it, dent it from you know the impact of landing into it. But to actually rip metal apart would probably go against his um, body structure. He, he probably wouldn't have the mass and the strength to do it. And you might say, well, he's strong. He should be able to do it. Well, I don't think so. Um, because he would actually probably rip himself apart trying to do it, basically. Oh, that's so dusty. So, okay, so we have the Mothman, and I learned about him, and I read a small, you know, cryptid book. Back then, people would write these books, and they would say, you know, the hidden monsters of the deep and the woods and the forest and the oceans, and they would have a chapter on the sea serpents, and then a chapter on the Loch Ness Monster, and a chapter on the abominable snowman, and a chapter on the American Bigfoot. And then they would have these strange ones about, like, the pink bunny rabbit that was walking through parking lots in like Boston I think it was and he had a big fireman's axe on his arm and, and it looked like a guy in a bunny suit you know and the, the axe was covered in blood and he had blood all over his mouth so killer pink giant bunny rabbits walking around and all kinds of Fortanian type cryptids now if you're not familiar with Fortanian or Charles Fort he was a fellow who was an author in the 19th century and he would just scan newspaper after newspaper and he would look for these little tiny articles about fish uh, raining from the sky frogs falling out of the sky uh, cryptid creatures you know crazy murderous people people being struck by lightning multiple times and living um, human oddities strange things that didn't fit into the normal realm of things. He was kind of like Ripley's, believe it or not, but a little more. Um, he would write little articles and little asides and little anecdotal stories about these newspaper articles that he found. And he, he actually wrote several books. And when I was a kid, what happened was I was looking, you know, for this book on the Dragonfly Man or the Mothman. And I come up with a book that had a little tiny chapter in it. And in the bottom of the book, he had to give credit where he wrote about, you know, these stories. Where did he hear about this story? And in the bottom, you know, of the credits was, you know, I got this from this book by Charles Fort about this character. And I thought, well, who's this Charles Fort guy? And what's this Fortanian and what's this book I've never heard of? So I, you know, as a quizzical young man, went to the library and, and I said, well, I want these books, but they're not in here. There was like three or four books by Charles Fort. Well, they don't have them. They don't have these books. But the main library in Youngstown does. You know, I was at a little satellite library 
So I had to order the books. And I mean, I'm like, maybe, let's see, 78, 79. Let's just say it was 1980. I was in eighth grade. I wasn't in high school just yet. So we're going to say 79. I was 11. And I never ordered a book from the library. And sure as hell, and I'm not joking, you can still do it today. I come back a week later, or whatever it is, a few days later. My books are there. My books, are, they've got all these books. And I it was like a massive discovery for me at my age to learn that these arcane, never-before-seen texts uh, are available. And I can get them to send them to me for free. I just got to pick them up and, and, and sign for them. Check them out, and then you can go. Now, maybe most kids knew you could order books. I didn't know this. I was a boy, and I wanted to play with cars, and I wanted to um, play guns. We used to play cars, play guns. And we used to sled ride and ride our bikes. I could care less about ordering books from the library. So, anyway, I get about, I thought, three of them, if my memory serves me right. Now, these books were old. Uh, they weren't 100 years old, but they were old. Reprintings of the original Charles Fort books. He would go through time periods where he would, you know, be rediscovered and his books would be reprinted and then he'd go back out of print. I uh, was probably like the 10th person to ever check these books out. So if you go to Youngstown Public Library and you check out the Charles Fort books, there is a real good chance my name is still on that stamp card if they still use that system in those books because, you know, they used to fill them up and then they would, you know, put a new one in. This thing dated back like 40, 50 years. I was like in a long line of curious, um, supernatural, paranormal hunters looking, like I said, through these arcane texts for Mobius bands and little tiny cracks in, uh, the structure of things to find out where the true mysteries of the universe lie. So I go back home with my treasures and I mean treasures and I devour these books. Now every year we had to do book reports and we had to do term papers uh, at the end of the year. And I did mine on, you know, usual, usual stuff. I did them on like Apollo moon landing rockets, stuff like that. Uh, I kind of started a, a trend where, you know, I, I did one on Charles Ford, on uh, Loch Ness Monster, on, you know, other kids were interested in stuff, but I was like, you know, I was just out there, you know, I was just doing it, you know, I was going to discover these creatures, I was going to go in the woods and find, you know, hidden lost cultures and civilizations right underneath my feet uh, that were buried in the past, <laughs> and I, um, read his books voraciously. Now, this was 30 plus years ago, but I can still remember some of the stories that I picked out for my term paper. And one was, of course, the raining of fish, raining of frogs in different parts of the United States and the world. People used to report this to newspapers. And it still occurs today. They have a kind of an idea how that occurs naturally. 
Uh, I also picked out a story that he wrote about a man who was struck by lightning many, many times, supposedly, and they had him in the paper. You know, there's articles about him, how he had survived all these attacks by lightning. And <clears throat> let's see. Then there was the stories about a character like the Mothman. Now here's where it gets interesting. Around the turn of the century, there was this fella. And he was in England. And he was called Springheeled Jack. And Springheeled Jack was a demonic-looking man in leather buckles. Um, he had an iron mask with rivets on it. He was steampunk before there was steampunk. And he couldn't fly, but he could leap very high. And he had like springs, literally springs in his feet. And you could almost imagine, looking back, that this guy was some demon uh, lord of the uh, English uh, countryside who was, you know, uh, possessed by building his own suit of Iron Man armor. Uh, in Victorian days with leather and metal and he would run around scaring women and you know he would smack them and hit them and he would shoot fire from his mouth and he would scare them and make them drop their packages as they were walking along at night unguarded in you know the city streets and then he would run away <laughs> Springhill Jack resembled in some ways the Mothman and there are some modern sightings of Springhill Jack that are slightly like the Mothman. And I started to put two and two together in my childlike mind. Is it possible that Springhill Jack and the Mothman are people? Are they trying to fool the public? Are they men of, ahead of their time designing? state-of-the-art, for, the, for their time, state-of-the-art costuming, uh, weapons, using magic tricks, um, technology that normal people would never recognize in the middle of the night. Are they doing this to frighten uh, the populace? Maybe to stop people from moving into the area. Um, stop people from being able to sell their homes and move out of the area. Uh, or just general mischief, you know. Springhill Jack was never accused of raping or molesting a woman, but he definitely frightened them. Uh, the stories I read, at least. Now, I have friends in England. They may know more about Springhill Jack than I do. Uh, there was also several people that they thought, they thought, okay, this guy is Springhill Jack. Let's get it over with. You know, this guy's mad as a hatter. <clears throat> And Matt as a Hatter used to be that uh, they use chemicals, mercury and different chemicals, to um, treat the hats that they made for men, the fancy hats that were made for men and women in the uh, 18th, 19th century. And these chemicals would get on the hands of the men who made the hats and uh, the tailors, whoever they were. <clears throat> I don't know what they call a hat maker. Maybe you can tell me below. I know there's a word for it, but... And they used to go mad. They used to go insane from the chemicals that they got exposed to over time. This is so dirty and dusty here. <clears throat> okay, I have a little 
Okay. Real quick, back to my thoughts. I thought, is it possible that spring Jack is secretly not a demon from another world, but more terrestrial, a man trying to frighten people? And I thought, the Mothman, now he's been seen other places, but rarely. His focused attacks were on Point Pleasant, West Virginia. And then they had the collapse of the bridge. When the bridge collapsed, let me get that for you, which is a historical fact. Okay, in December 15, 1967, the Silver Bridge collapsed and it killed 46 people. And after that, um, he pretty much went away. So you didn't see much of the Mothman. So I was thinking, you know, there's some serious terrestrial guilt from the fact that you were goofing around as this Mothman character and, you know, the Silver Bridge collapses and is it possible they quit because the man felt guilty? He felt like, you know, he didn't attrib- he didn't, you know, contribute to the disaster, but he was distracting people, he was frightening people. And maybe he felt a little guilty, you know, over the whole thing. So, part of me thinks, I know it's weird, but that makes me point the finger at a human, knowledgeable person. You know, they're sympathetic to the people of the area and they quit goofing around. Okay? So, what happens next? We're around 2002. They started the Mothman annual festival, and they erected a 12-foot-tall metallic uh, statue of him. He was created by an artist and sculptor, Bob Roach. It was unveiled in 2003. The Mothman Museum and Research Center opened in 2005 and is run by Jeff Walmsley. It's really cool. The festival's really neat, too. It's basically, you know, a street fair. Um, it runs the third weekend of every September. Uh, in my area, we do a lot of festivals in the fall, and they're basically harvest festivals. But in the, and they would call them the Columbiana Street Fair. Um, you know, the county fairs would all run, you know, pretty much at the fall when you had, uh, in my area at least, when you had your um, harvest. So it ties in with that time period. That's when you do it. Let's see. Um, vendors exhibit a Mothman pancake eating contest and hay rides. Mm. And the hay rides are tours focusing on the notable areas of Point Pleasant where the attacks by the Mothman happened. Ooh. Now, here's what people don't know. There is a rest of the story. It is possible that the Mothman was a bird that didn't belong in the area. And because it was alone and it was calling for its uh, potential mate, it frightened the populace. They weren't used to the sounds of the bird. Um, There's a lot of anecdotal evidence that points to that. I think there was a human hand in it. Now here comes the weird part. Mothman was never seen again in Point Pleasant. But he was started 
to appear in other places. And he resembles the Jersey Devil. Sometimes the Jersey Devil is described as like the Mothman. You know, a flying humanoid, red eyes, glowing big wings, arms. You have Springhill Jack, same thing, you know, the springing, jumping guy with wings or a cape on the back of him and glowing red eyes and spitting fire and claws for his hands and he looked metallic. He looked silver. He he didn't look human. He didn't look like an animal. He looked more, you know, metallic like a robotic or android type creature. So I do wonder, because these sightings have appeared in other places, <coughs> Is this the same person? Is it a descendant of the same person? Um, you know, is it an attempt to carry on the legend? I know if you were to look out your back window and see a six to twelve foot tall appearance of a humanoid with giant wings up in a tree, and he flew off or ran into the woods or whatever he did ran into the darkness, I think it would probably scare the living hell out of anyone who saw it. It would be very hard to really put down on paper what you saw. Unless you were, you know, you had your wits about you. And remember, he's never going to come out in the daylight. He's always going to attack in the night, in the darkness, with a, maybe a flashlight is your best chance of seeing him, or a little bit of moonlight. So, you're not going to get a real good look at them. I will say this much. In this day and age of the wild, wild west in the United States, he would be a complete fool to show up <laughs> uh, behind somebody's house today because everybody's armed to the teeth in my neighborhood, just about. Um, and would not be a very smart move on the Mothman's part to pop in and start, uh, you know, going, you know, bookity bookity bookity. <clears throat> He'd probably end up getting himself shot. Okay. Just about got all my props clean. So, let's see. What else can I tell you about the Mothman? We've touched on some very interesting paranormal subjects today. We touched on the Mothman. Uh, the fact that he resembles the Jersey Devil. Resembles Springhill Jack a little bit. Same kind of M.O. Uh, we also touched on the fact that Charles Ford tracked all this stuff. And this was pre-internet. And he wrote books about this. He would gather newspaper articles about these different characters. And he would put them together in his books. And his books are still available. You can probably get them more easily from your public library. They're kind of hard to read. They were written in the 19th century. If you're not familiar with, like, say, the writings of Mark Twain or some other artists, writers from the 19th century, you might have a little bit of trouble with them. And his books were kind of jumbled. They were, they weren't a steady prose. They were like, you know, he would just start here and then he would go over here, and you know, he would drop a subject and go to a new subject, and he would just cross-reference things in his mind. This was related to this was related to that. So we're gonna pull a lot of. Um, data from Charles Fort in the future. Because um, he is an interesting man. 
and we might even pull some information from our dear Mr. Ripley. Mr. Ripley's Believe It or Not was so incredible, and he was very rarely, if ever, proven wrong when he pointed something out. They also, I forgot to talk about this fellow, the Owl Man. Hmm, and something I did want to talk about. In 1976, a man started appearing, Cornish, Cornish Owl Man, and the Owl Man of Monon. He was an ally cryptid. And he started to appear in the late, mid to late 70s. It's very interesting that the Mothman, Owlman, Springhill Jack all kind of blend together. Now remember, I'm a young man, pre-internet. I've done this research on my own. They don't teach this stuff in school. And I'm sitting, I think I'm a senior. Maybe I'm out of school. I can't remember. But I think I should tell you for a fact what time period it was. Okay, so you have the Owl Man, and you have Spring Hill Jack. And you have uh, the Mothman and these characters, and you're thinking they're not very popular. These are very fringe cryptid creatures. And you're thinking, well, where are these guys coming from with this stuff? <clears throat> and I remember this is pre internet. And, you know, I had my own thoughts, my own theories on who he was or what these creatures were and where they were coming from. And, you know, I was probably one of a thousand people that even remotely knew about these characters. Most people didn't read about these little stories. 1986-87, I graduate high school and I'm out of school for about a year and this book comes out. This It's a comic book, graphic novel, written by Alan Moore and um, the artist, what was his name, Gibson I think. Yeah, Gibbons was the uh, writer. Dave Gibbons was the artist, and Alan Moore was the writer. DC Comics, The Watchmen. And there, in the pages of The Watchmen, is the Mothman and the Owlman and the mysterious Rorschach and all of these characters. And I'm sitting there thinking, the way he did it was he took... You know, there's a sighting of a man with moth-like wings flying over cars, you know, in eastern United States. And there's this owl man running around the streets, you know, fighting bad guys. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, did he get, is that where he got this from? And I just thought it was really cool that somebody else had touched on some of the same things I had read uh, as a young man. And I always thought it was neat. That uh, when you read the Watchmen, you can see little tiny threads in it of urban legend and urban myth from the past century or so. And that's where, you know, Alan Moore got some of his ideas from. 
There's nothing wrong with that. These weren't copyrighted ideas. He didn't steal anybody's ideas. But it was just neat to see that he used some of the scary things that kept me up at night as a child in his book. And I thought that was really cool. And I just wanted to let everybody know that. I'm not saying that's where Alan Moore got the um, inspiration from. Maybe he got his inspiration for the Owlman from the Owlman in England, not from the Mothman. But it definitely resonates and is very similar to the uh, stories that I read growing up. You know, these guys coming out of the shadows to fight crime. And I just thought it was pretty cool. So I wanted to point that out. Thank you for joining me again today for Paranormal ASMR. I appreciate all of your support. My last video was so well received, as I said earlier in the beginning of the show. I can't thank all of you enough. I do appreciate all of your comments, your uh, ratings, good or bad. Um, when you favorite, add my list or uh, my videos to your playlists and share them on social media. It does help the channel. It helps me grow. I am very pleased with the growth of the channel. Very soon we will hit 9,000 subscribers and 1 million views, and it's because of people like you that this has happened. I work hard at it, but it's the support and the love and affection from all of you out there that this has happened. And I promise the next million views will be exciting and even more interesting than the first million. We're starting to refine our act, and we're going to do some really great stuff in the future. So stay tuned. Next up, the infamous Salem, Ohio, Cry Baby Bridge. A real place, right where I live. So stay tuned for our next chapter of Paranormal ASMR, Cry Baby Bridge. Ooh. And until then, have a most blessed day, and know that I love all of you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for ASMR Kid Out of the Whale. Please take a moment to share this podcast with someone who might enjoy it, and to rate or review it on your podcast player of choice. Those small things only take a few minutes, and they really do help our podcast grow. If you are interested in additional ASMR content, you may view our library of videos at youtube.com slash get out of the whale. We have also started uploading earlier podcast episodes to YouTube. Another one goes up every Thursday night at youtube.com slash ASMR get out of the whale. Links to connect with us on social media and to take a look at our merchandise can be found in the show notes. The theme song, Atlantis, is by Jason Shaw of Audionautics.com and is used by permission. Correspondence, including questions or requests, may be sent to getoutofthewhale at gmail.com. 
on behalf of Dr. Andrew Michaels and his entire staff. Thank you.